Hi, and welcome to We Can Be Real. I started this podcast because nothing makes me happier than connecting with people that I know and love and getting to share experiences and insights with people that I'm meeting here for the very first time. I'll share my own stories and invite guests to join me in conversations that will hopefully make us laugh, make us feel seen and understood, and will come away with more knowledge and information that can help us in one way or another. Here we go. I want to start the conversation about resilience by, first of all, letting you know the definition for those of you that don't know. And I am sure that every one of you do, but it behooves me to say it anyway. I just feel the need. Resilience, in its literal sense, means to bounce back or rebound from a traumatic, challenging, and adversarial situation. The ability to distance yourself from a tragedy and come up with the best coping strategies is why resilient people are so good at bouncing back. Hi, and welcome to We Can Be Real. Today I'm going to talk about resilience. And is that something that we're born with? Is that something that grows out of necessity? And why is it that some people can be resilient or are resilient? The first time that I had to be resilient in my life, my childhood was normal. And I think that I actually was not a particularly resilient child and young adult because I used food and my eating disorder was a way of coping. And as I shared, I smoked a lot of pot. And I think that was another way of coping. So I wasn't resilient as a young person. I caved under pressure. I used food and weed and distraction by being boy crazy. I used those things as a way of coping, but actually not getting better and being strong. And I think that for me, the first time I ever had to really be resilient, it was out of a need and a necessity. I had my two daughters, they were two and five, and my husband left. And I was alone as a, as a new divorced woman. My husband left, that was that. And here I was, and the need to protect my children, the desire, the want, I was driven. I had no choice at that time. I couldn't be resilient when it was just me on my own as a kid and a a young adult. But here I have these two little babies, two and five, that are looking to me to be their support, looking to me to be strong. How could I cave? I couldn't. So I think that for me, being a mother and being a mother that was alone with two little daughters, a single mom... For me, I had to get all my strength together so that I could give my children the best possible life. And that was where it first started for me, that that was my first unbelievable challenge. And I knew that I just wasn't going to mess it up. Everything in my power led me to get strong. And I remember saying to my mother, we were out at a restaurant and I had two my two little daughters with me. And there was a woman at the bar at this restaurant. You could smoke in restaurants then. And she was having a cigarette. And we were in the bicycle the bicycle club, which is no longer there in, in New Jersey. And I remember crying. And I said to my mother, oh, my God, look at that lady at a bar smoking cigarettes. That's going to be me. And my mother said, Ellen, why do you think that's going to be you? You're not going to become a different person. You're not 
you're, you're, that's not you, but my fear of just being someone that I, I didn't know how to be this person. I didn't know how to be a, a single mom with two kids. It wasn't, I didn't grow up that way. My parents were married forever. I didn't, I grew up with a very traditional family and here I was a divorced woman. Oh God, what is that like? And I wasn't familiar with anyone that was divorced. I was 37 years old with two babies. So that's when I decided at that moment, without even knowing that it was resilience that I was striving for and having to build, I felt I had no choice. So that was my first introduction to what it, what it took. And I've done some research on resilience, you know, in preparing for this podcast. And there were a couple of things that you know, I read that it makes sense to me because it sort of was my impulse. And the first was acceptance, confronting problems head on, having the ability to do that. I wasn't in denial. I mean, I wasn't, oh goodness, I'm going to, this is not going to be my life. I, oh my God, my ex-husband, we're going to, we're going to get back together. Or I didn't even want to at that time, or, or I'm going to meet someone else, a prince that's going to come save me with my two children. I had acceptance over the fact that this was my life. Now, what the heck are you going to do with it? The second was to improvise, have the ability somehow to make lemonade when you're given lemons. And I think that my desire to save my children and not have part of my language fucked up divorced kids, I wanted them happy. I wanted them to have a happy childhood. It didn't feel fair that, you know, all of their friends had moms and dads in intact homes I wanted my children. So I was going to make lemonade. And I remember I, I was at, I had a, a luncheon that I'd gone to and I won a prize. I won a weekend at Plaza Antonay in the city. And I took my kids, you know, I, I grabbed my two little babies. I said, I won this weekend and we're going. And I remember jumping on the bed with them. And I remember also in the morning, we looked at the New York Times and I bought, I decided, what are we going to do? It's, you know, Father's Day, I think was the next weekend. Here we were, the three of us. And I said, okay, fine, let's get a dog. I already had two dogs, mind you, but I decided to get a puppy. So we went out and we got a black Labrador retriever puppy because isn't that what all single mothers with two little babies do? No, I don't think so. But I wanted my children, I was going to make lemonade. We didn't have to ask a father, can we get a third dog, a dad? Because I was alone. I could do, I could do whatever I wanted. So I did that. So improvise and accept your situation. And the third one, taking care of yourself, eating well, sleeping well, exercising. That's a really important part from everything that I've read. Those three things are the really the start of it all. If you can accept your situation, whatever that may be, you lose your job, accept it. You get a bad diagnosis, you accept it. What can I do? Where's the best place to get treatment? And try as hard as you can to make lemonade when you can. And certainly the self-care is very important. So through the years, that was my first test. I learned how to be resilient. And I think that as I went on, it became something that I got, I built upon it. So I was resilient this time. Well, the next time something happened, such as I met Mary Gary, and we had to blend our family. Really difficult, really difficult. So I accepted, oh, I'm going to be a stepmother now. Oh, what do I do here? How do I make lemonade out of this one? So the eating, sleeping, resting, exercise, that was always, that's been my mantra for 40 years, but learning how to accept and handle it. So how do I make lemonade out of that one? Well, we went to 
therapy. I started to embrace the idea that, oh, being a stepmom, that's kind of nice. You get a bonus kid. I love Gary so much. I'm going to love his daughter so much. And that felt good to, to have that role. So I turned it around and I tried again. Again, I was resilient. My children saw a resilient mom and it just kept on building. And I kept on with each thing that I had to do that was hard. I kept on going and it gave me more and more confidence. When I wanted to start my coaching practice, I had a terrible, terrible fear of public speaking. Would not believe that now, being that I have a podcast, it's shocking. But to grow my practice, I had moved into New York City. Someone recommended a networking organization. If that's how you grow your practice, that's how you meet people. So I joined BNI, Business Network International, and it's a billion dollar company. And it was, you know, great. It's, you had to show up every week. I did it for five years, 7.30 in the morning, downtown. I was resilient. I was a nervous wreck. And I had to speak every morning, stand up in front of a room full of people. And I had to speak and I would shake like no other. The piece of paper in my hand would be shaking. People felt sorry for me that I was doing this, but I had no choice to me. I had no choice. If I wanted to grow my practice, which was a big goal of mine, I very much wanted a full practice. If I were going to have a full practice, I needed to network and I had to meet people and I had to put myself out there. So I did it. And every week I would complain to my husband, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. Why do I have to do this? And he would say, then quit. And I knew again, that if I wanted to have a full practice, I accepted the fact that I wasn't going to spend a lot of money on advertising. I knew that if I wanted to meet people and grow professionally, I had no choice. So I had to be the good mom. I had no choice. I had to do this because I had no choice. The goal was to have happy children. Then I had to come up with a plan. And if the goal was to grow a practice, I had to come up with a plan. And again, I was resilient. After Gary died, I had to figure this out. What the hell am I going to do now? I'm alone. What do I do? My apartment was a source. Gary died in that apartment. That I didn't want to be there anymore. So as soon as I could, when I could muster up the strength to see clearly, I moved and I got another apartment. That was major. That was huge for me. I did it by myself. I found a place myself. It was really, really hard. But again, because I had to be resilient 30 years ago to save and protect my children, it kept on going. And now I am a resilient person. And I never would have believed that because I felt most of my early years that I was actually very weak because I didn't take good care of myself. And instead of fighting the fight, I would lean into either eating too much or smoking pot or whatever it was. And now this podcast, strong, resilient. I knew that I needed a bigger life. I knew that I was alone in my life. And what could I do that was strong and brave? It goes along with my coaching, obviously. So now I'm just coaching out loud in a bigger way. I have a bigger platform to share my, my stories and my, my wisdom and experiences that I've had. In my research, I decided to look even further into this and what are the characteristics of what a, what a resilient person is made up of and how do you get that? How do you get it? How do you build it? Because I certainly didn't have it. So the first one is having a growth mentality. Where can I grow? What can I focus on? 
Look at problems that you have as opportunities to grow. Resilient people are self-aware. You know yourself. You know the things about yourself that you may want to change. You know the things about yourself that you think are wonderful and you don't have to change them. And you lean into those. So being self-aware, keeping it real by accepting reality. I think that's so important. It's been so important for me. I never live in la-la land. I really try to be as real as I can with everyone in my life. And I'm certainly real with my situation. I face it. I face it as it comes. And I always look at the big picture and I get it done. I, I get it done. And I reach out for help when I need it. I, you know, after Gary died, I talked to a therapist. When I had to move, I talked to someone about moving. I talked to a financial advisor on how do I live my life in a certain way so that I am okay. I didn't say, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. No, I made sure that I'm going to be fine. I dealt with all the scary stuff and didn't just throw it under the rug. Have an internal measure of control. Don't blame outside circumstances and look for areas of growth and weaknesses. So I don't blame, oh my God, my husband died. This is what happened. Oh God, poor me, poor me. Yes, it's certainly sad. There's no blame. It, it happened and I, I take care of it. Having healthy optimism, of which I also do. I do. I'm not unrealistic. I don't say I'm going to be, you know, traveling the world tomorrow, meeting Prince Charming tomorrow. I'm going to be the number one podcast host tomorrow. But I have a healthy, optimistic feeling about my future. A friend said to me today, we were having a conversation and she said, your story hasn't been written yet. And not all of my story has been written. So reminding myself of that, having a healthy optimism, having self-compassion, which I think is so important. I always say to clients, what would you say to your best friend? And I do the same for myself. Having self-compassion. If I'm sad one day, it's okay. I, I accept it. I lean into it. I don't love it. I don't, no one loves being sad, but I don't beat myself up for being sad. So the self-compassion is certainly important. Saying nice things to yourself. People that are resilient have a support system, a really good support system. If you don't have friends and family to speak to, then join a group, find a community. My support system is everything. When my first husband left, my friends came over. They rallied around me. They picked me up. My children were a support, even though they didn't know it, because I was so busy having to take care of them. My family, my parents, my, my mother and father slept over every week until I was okay. Having a support system is key. And if you don't have one, then find one. Because there are places and people podcasts you can listen to where you feel connected. Join in Facebook groups. There are certainly places out there. And I think that is a really important part. So those are the traits and characteristics that resilient people have. And it's attainable. You just may have to do the work. And if you're not naturally that way, and I wasn't, I found ways to be there. So persevering in the face of impossible odds, it's no small feat. But when you see another person doing it and striving against those odds, it's inspiring. So look to see who do you admire? Who do you admire? You can lean into that. You can distance yourself from your tragedy and come up with the best coping skills that you can. And if you don't have them on your own, you reach out to 
anyone that you can talk to and bounce it off of because none of us are here alone. So that's all I wanted to really share about resilience and I'm living it and I can do it and you can do it too. And if anyone wants to reach out and have a conversation around this or anything else, please feel free to DM me anytime. Thank you. And I will see you next time. If you like what you're hearing and would like to work with me, you can reach out through DM or email at ellengschweitzer at gmail.com. Unlike many coaches, I don't have packages that I sell and people have to commit to three months of working with me. My feeling is people come session at a time. If you're finding value in our sessions and want to keep coming back, then you do. I help people with loneliness, developing healthy habits, self-esteem, and grief, or anything else that makes us human. Again, you can reach me through DM or at lngschweitzer at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to We Can Be Real. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would be so happy and appreciative if you would leave a review wherever you listen. Like and follow the show and share it with someone that you think would enjoy it too. To learn more about the podcast and about me, find me on Instagram at Ellen Schweitzer underscore life coach or my website, ellenschweitzer.com. See you next week.